0: What's going on everybody? I'm Kevin from Cigar Prop, and each and every week we come to you live on the I Tap That Cigar Show on our YouTube channel. We interview someone fun and exciting in the cigar world, and then about a week later we upload that audio to various podcasting platforms. That's what you're listening to now. We try and cut out a lot of the stuff that won't make sense because you're listening to it instead of watching it. But if something doesn't make sense and you want to watch it, in the description is the link that will take you to our YouTube so you can watch the interview instead of listening to it. But if you want to continue listening to it, thank you, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. From uh, uh, Rockefeller Cigars, Kevin, welcome to the show.
1: Hey guys, what's going on? Oh man, not much. What's going on with you? We're about to smoke our uh, Rockefeller Lancero, our Red Maduro Lancero. Yeah, Kevin Kevin Paro, you know yeah. said
0: that that thing was a uh, fire, and then uh, I, I'd seen a few other people uh, smoke that online, um, mm-hmm. and then they said that Lancero is that Lancero is good.
1: Well, I mean, if I had to pick a Vitola, seven by thirty eight is my favorite Vitola. Oh,
0: that or a mean, Lonsdale. Okay, that I was just saying, I, I'm twenty. You know, twenty twenty has been the cigar or been the year of me trying new stuff. I have been finding I've really been digging the Lonsdales this year. You know, I've, I've really been digging some of like the petite Corona's even, Absolutely. But you know, but, um, uh, six sixties, those are gone. I don't know. Some people love them. There are states that love them. Um, uh, that were, you will get manufacturers says, you know, be like Texas, that's all they smoke six, <laughs> six or whatever it is. And, um, but it's crazy, but Lonsdale's, I don't know what it is. A Lonsdale is just, it's the, per- almost the perfect size cigar.
1: Yeah, the old Gloria Habana number twos used to come in those back in the day. They were discontinued when Cuba was making great cigars. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. When 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 they were, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh and and still to this day, you know, it's a uh, and and I'll admit, we you know we had Doctor Meal on and um, our, our Cuban cigar expert, and he'll even tell you, I say, you can still find a fantastic Cuban cigar. You're going to work at it though. Your yeah. you're. you're Gonna do your homework. You're gonna bust your ass, but you're gonna find that good Cuban, and you're gonna have a good cigar. Not me. I just want to go into a lounge and then pick out any cigar, and not and not. Well, technically, you shouldn't have to worry about it, but um, you're, you're
2: definitely gonna get you're definitely gonna get a good cigar. Yeah, and so. the, all the, the 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 new world stuff is there's just so much that's coming out now that's I, I think superior. Uh, than, than what they're doing in, in Cuba. They're not rotating their crops properly. The, the soil uh, doesn't have the proper nutrients nowadays. It's just not, it's yeah.
1: quality tobacco. agree. It, it, it's, it's not sitting in the pilone at all for a long time. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. yeah
0: I mean, uh, um, uh, uh, demand is outpacing the uh, uh, the supply. Right. I and mean, then Kevin, I'll be live at the smoking event. Jessica and I will be there too. Um, uh, we'll, we'll be doing a little, a uh, couple of lives from the great smoke. We'll be uh, at the event itself. And then uh, uh, the majority of our day will be at uh, the Smoke Inn Boynton Beach location. They're doing a fantastic event. Um, the Red Meat Lovers Club is hosting the lunch, the dinner, um, and then the after dinner. Saka will be, will be there hosting a bunch. So it'll be definitely be a good event. So everybody needs to, uh, to get in on that. So, um, Kevin, I, I, I had all these questions lined up, and then <laughs> I, I, had, I had heard of this. We have to start here. Come um, when, 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 people talk about you, like bones, bones reached out to me and, uh, and, uh, he's like, Hey, do you need any info on Kevin? I go, yeah, what, what do you got? I'm always looking for like little, he's like, well, he, he was a traitor on, on wall street. I'm like, I know that everybody knows that that's the, that's the only thing that, 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 that they know about Kevin. But then I found out Diggins. I don't even, I didn't even tell you cause I wanted this to blow your mind. Uh, Kevin is a magician.
1: Yeah, so I was I've been a magician since I'm like eight years old.
0: Yeah, like a legit, yeah, not like you know, but yeah, a, a legit magician. Where where did yeah? So eight years old. Who who was the magician in your family that got you onto that?
1: So there was no magician. I went to a dentist and he did a French drop with a coin and I was amazed. And then my so I was like, Where's the coin? He's like, Well, if you do it, will you let me take impressions? Bill would get a kick out of that since he's a dentist. <laughs> yeah. And I was yeah. like, Yeah, okay. So then when he did it, I was like, Where'd the coin go? Were you kidding me? The coin's gone. You know, and I'm an eight-year-old kid, nine-year-old kid, and I'm like, something's wrong here, right? And then my dad took me to see The Great Rituality of Witchcraft, um, and they buzzsawed in Manhattan on Broadway. And they buzzsawed somebody with an electrical buzzsaw, and I walked around it, and I was blown away. I was amazed. So that weekend, because I kind of grew up in the city, so that weekend, we ended up going to Tannins on Broadway. And Tannins had a fire. And Tannins, if people know magic, is one of the oldest magic stores in the city. And some of the best magicians were there. I mean, David Roth, uh, everybody, Ron Frost. It was just, it was just a great time. And as a little kid, to be so impressioned by seeing these guys, I was blown away, and that's what got me into magic.
0: All right, now, now, were you more of a street performer or a stage performer, or did you, you know, you were just into
2: into magic and never like really up close type magic? Yeah. Or
1: the, so the Doug Henning was rocks. around that time, right? Doug Henning was around that time. I got into illusions. I had a card. It was Kevin Fantistico, and I started doing some parties back in the day. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then I got into sleight of hand. I met all these other magicians and started learning from them. And then later on, I decided to join the Society of American Magicians, which I always wanted to do as a kid. I just never did it. It was a club that Houdini started in 1902. And the number one, the parent assembly number one is in Manhattan. It's an underground society. And, you know, everyone thinks, oh, it's underground, so it's got the guys at the Curlicue Mustaches, the <laughs> old magicians, and... uh no, it's just got some great magicians. But the other thing was I used to, like, be a gopher for magicians and get them coffee and stuff at certain restaurants. And I was just enthralled by it. In fact, when I turned, I think it was, like, 13 or 14, I was in Union Square. And they were doing the P game, right? Yeah. And the guy walks up to me, goes, 20 gets you 20, 20 gets you 40, 40 gets you 80. And he's like, where's the P? And I'm like, I, I know what the P is. It's not under any of them. He kicks the thing up, slams it up. The two guys, the lookout on the left, the lookout on the right, they slam it. Everyone's walking away. He goes to me, you want a job? I said, what, are you serious? He's like, yeah, you got a job. Come in tomorrow morning. So I had a job.
0: Oh, my nice. God. Yep. You know, um, is, it, is it something you still uh, dabble in today, follow? Is it? Yeah,
1: you know, I, I still do a little sleight of hand. It was great on Wall Street when I did a lot of entertaining. I was able to do magic for everybody at the table. They loved it. People just love it. You know what I mean? And, and when they think they got you and they don't, it drives them crazy. Oh. Right? It's almost like you fail on purpose to succeed. And it drives them nuts. But so now I'm more of a collector of magic than I am really practicing it. Yeah.
2: So you see so, a I new mean, trick and her- you got you to gotta learn it yourself and, and know the, the workings of it and, right. and the, the heartbeat of that trick. But you're huh. not too concerned with. with
1: Right. So my stuff. son has zero interest in it. He's 13 years old. My daughter's eight. She's fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. So I'm teaching her. She's really into magic. So she's getting into it.
0: Yeah, it was I I'm the you know and I and I don't like ruining it but like I said we we were like a year ago we were at this this uh, um and it was like this burlesque carnival and then during that they had like a magic show and uh and I I just when when I when I see it it's like I'm just telling Jessica and I'm like I I'll tell her I'm like here's how they're doing. She's like Will you shut your face? Stop <laughs> ruining it! And then, and then one point they're in the box, and it's got like the seat, so you can see the shadow behind it. So I nudge her and I point it up, and I go, "Look, it's a projector." <laughs> and, uh, so she, she's like, "You say one more thing," and I'm walking out of here. And uh, uh, so I love figuring it out, but when I can't, oh, it drives me insane. Um, so, um, last question about magic: go who? Ahead. Who is the best magician today, and who is the best of all time? You can't say
1: Houdini. So Darwin Ortiz was an incredible card magician. In fact, gamblers used him to find cheat. You know, like Vegas used him to catch cheats. Oh, really? And I, fast- I was fascinated by Darwin Ortiz. Yes. He was like the magician's gambler. He could spot a cheat anywhere. So to learn to be a good card magician, you had to really learn about a lot about cards. And you had to learn a lot about gambling. And when people ask me, do I gamble, do I play poker? Of course, I say no, right? Yeah. But you had to learn second deals. So this is a really great story. Dive Vernon was another one, another incredible magician. And there was this guy down in Kansas City, Missouri, who was able to deal from the center of the deck. In fact, you can YouTube the video. It's pretty cool to watch. And Dai Vernon went down to watch him, and he was the only other person who could deal from the center of the deck. The guy was actually able, right in front of your hands, to deal from the center of the deck. It was an incredible sight, and you would never see him do it. There was another guy who passed away. His name was Ed Marlowe. Ed Marlowe used to hang out in a Chicago restaurant called Shulian's and the back room was where all the magicians hung out. So Edward Marlowe had something called the cigar deal, and he would deal out the cards. You would never, ever see him deal. He needed the second card or the bottom card because the cigar fooled you.
0: Really? Man. Yes. Now, now, I never thought about that before, really, because you know, I think card tricks, sleight of hand – um, would that make you a better poker player? black? Di- I mean, being be able to remember cards, or does that really not come into play when you're playing
1: cards? Well, it does. I mean, in, in yeah. Vegas, that's what they used Darwin Ortiz. Yeah. Like John Scarni, who knew gambling, that's why they used that. But at the same time, if you're having a friendly poker game, you know what I'm saying, like a backroom poker game, yeah, it makes yeah. you very dangerous.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question, and you can – you can choose Absolutely. to answer. You can choose to answer this publicly or not. But
1: <laughs> I like uh-huh. this guy. Go ahead. <laughs> are are uh,
2: like you know magic decks like special decks? Are they by feel? Can you can you feel a card and say, all right, this is a jack of hearts?
1: So yeah, so that would be a deck that's set up for that. No, I use a straight deck, completely not a magic deck. Oh, okay. That's how I do it. There are decks that are magic decks. You can buy tricks, but no, I don't do that. Okay. okay. Two yeah, rules in the Society of American Magicians is never show up a magician and never tell a secret. Okay. Th- th- there we go. So so you're actually
0: bringing um, – um, we'll, 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 we'll blend them here. You're bringing your love of magic and magician to the cigar world. Um, you have a, a, a new cigar coming out, so – Let's uh, since we're on that, let's just let's just talk about that. Let, what's this new cigar you're coming out
1: with? So we have a cigar called Art of Magic. It's a tribute to the Society of American Magicians. On the box, it shows 1902, and again, 1902 is the year it started. That Houdini started it. They had the idea before that, but they put it in production in 1902. So I had Jesse Flores, whose whose daughter is sick with cancer. Unfortunately, there's a charity called Fuck Cancer. Yeah. At, at mm-hmm. PHUCK, so we'll keep it clean, yeah. right?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and. And I hired him. I spoke to graffiti artists. This was this has been a project for a year already, and I was going to go in Brooklyn. And it just touched my heart when I saw the whole thing. And I said, you know what, Jesse's the guy. And I had Jesse draw up the top of the box and do inside to the box. And we're hopefully going to have hats if they're ready of a beautiful rabbit reaching. You could see it because Half Wheel uh, and Coop announced it in uh, Stogie Press. You could see that the rabbit's reaching in and grabbing with a tobacco leaf and has the cards on the side of his wrist. It's, ab- it's absolutely beautiful. I love it. Oh, it's a- uh, it, 200 boxes of them. There's 10 cigars to a box. 5% of the proceeds are going towards that, towards his uh, uh, daughter's charity. And um, it, it, it just touched my heart, so I had to do it. I felt like it was right, and I had to do it. And that's, you know, not all the time I do projects like that, but that one just felt right, and I had to go with it. And Jesse's a great guy. I'm sure you all know him.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, Jesse, yeah. Jesse, Jesse's a, a fantastic guy. And um, um, how were how, how will people? And we'll go back to to Kevin uh, Parrot. Uh, and I said it was a, a question I'll ask you. First of all, I said uh, um, how can they find your cigars now? But how are they going to be able to find that one? Is there going to be a so, press
1: release or is that? Um, so by the way, it's also made by Aganosa. So we tapped oh. Aganosa to do that project. All right. So so we reached out we put it out there there with three press releases i didn't go out to every uh press three of them i promised he could release it he did release it and we're almost pretty much sold out of all the boxes already and there are various stores all throughout the country they're they're in about 20 states
0: okay oh so so they've already been uh so that cigar's already been released
1: no, it's not released. Or, or not released. But they're, but pre, or, or, they're
0: pre-sold the, two the, stores. The, oh, they're yes, the,
1: yes. are they pre-sold two stores. Correct. Oh,
2: okay. I'm gonna, oh, I'm so going like to like it's like a LCA release.
1: Um, similar. We're going to do a big virtual herf, which I haven't announced yet. We're going to do a big virtual herf so all the stores can come on. I'm going to have Jesse on and probably Terrence from Aganosa. Okay.
0: All right. So yeah, I'm going to look that up because I had um um I had saw that it was like a, um, you know, after January 1st, they, they'd be out. So right. I thought that's when they would go on sale. Oh, if I'd have known that, I'd have been uh, Googling that online earlier today. So w- they'll
2: be,
0: a- they'll a- be there
1: a- January, a- probably third week in January with all the hurricanes oh, okay. and everything with the box maker. I'm yeah. guessing third week of January. Okay. And so you'll have an announcement
2: on your website of which state and which area in that state they're available whenever they are made mm-hmm. available.
1: Absolutely. We're actually in the process of redoing the website now. Right on.
2: All right, so super cool.
0: So yeah, the art of magic, definitely uh, look at that. And uh, everybody, don't go buying them up
1: tonight. Save, save, <laughs> me, save, me, a, save me a box. Um, well, they're also going to be signed by Jesse and numbered.
0: Oh God. How,
1: Oh, how how cool yeah. is that? That's and we're going to so have cool. Jesse. Hopefully, if we can get him at the Agonosa Factory, which we plan on it. We're going to have him film signing the boxes.
0: Ah, what I want is because uh, I know you won't be able to taste it, but uh, I want them to sign the leaves and then, yeah. roll, and then and then roll the leaves and put them in there. I mean, magic sharpie. Yeah, there's no way you're tasting that. And then, uh, hey, that, hey,
2: hey, hey! That's brilliant, though, man. You know, there's there's got to be a way you can blend something to where when it, as it burns down a magical cigar, as it burns down, it says Rockefeller or something cool in the ash. Um. That it would be, the yeah. Binder not, or or yeah like, within mean, the binder or something like that. So the ash itself is a different color as to white to dark.
1: You yeah. Know? So one of the oldest tricks I've seen is Harry Houdini. We're going back to Houdini because, in yeah. my opinion, he was one of the best magicians yeah, ever. Yeah, I, I, so
0: I agree. Harry I agree.
1: Houdini did a trick where he had your card, took your card, set it on fire, took the ashes, rubbed it on your arm, and the card appeared. You made me think of that, Diggins. Wow.
0: Yeah, you know it's a uh, um uh, and, and I think I've seen like I said like Penn and Teller or, or uh, some other magicians do that. Yeah, but that that would definitely be cool of bringing some type of magic into um, the
2: cigar itself.
0: Magic into the cigar, or you know, even a magic box. You know, like the box did something. Right. You know, but you know, it's
2: a like a compartment a, with the you know you had have, yeah you had to have
0: the know to do it. You know, because I watch a guy on YouTube and he's a puzzle guy. And, uh, and he gets like these these puzzles and sometimes it will take him hours and people will send him these 10 20 thirty thousand dollar puzzles and uh and it's like these intricate um, like 30 step puzzles to get it open
1: that's awesome. you know, yeah, I mean, obviously like that.
0: a, a box nobody wants that you'll just break it but yeah something like a cool bringing something interacting and engaging with your consumer and uh, some kind of bringing uh, the love of magic into because um, I feel like Magic has has taken a back seat since, um, you know, you had um, um, the Angel guy and you had the other guy it's walking. Yeah, yeah Chris Angel. Magic. The Street
2: Magic guy, right? The, the Street Magic David guy. Blaine. Yeah. Yeah. David you Blaine. Know,
0: but, but, yeah, David Blaine. Now, when I was growing up, it was uh, David Copperfield.
2: Yeah. You know, that was. And then the Statue of Liberty disappeared. this be, remember? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. He walked
0: through the Great Wall of China, but it was, uh, you know, see, like the art of magic is, you know, seemed like it's it's not di- it's never gonna die, but it just doesn't seem like it's prevalent in our our society. So yeah,
2: maybe cigars and magic and 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 bring that back. That would be that'd be super cool. That'd be either that know. or just don't tell someone that there's magic in the cigar and put like an exploding tip on that song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they just yeah. they don't know, right? They get. Uh, that's it. We already got
0: problems with the FDA. Exploding uh, tip. Yeah. Uh, so, um, <laughs> yep, um, so, so magician to wall street trader to cigar company. Um, we're already talking about cigars. So we're going to keep going. We're going to come back to the wall street days l- later on. Um, cause, cause, you know, cause I, I, I've got some great, you know, some questions I like said, you know, I found it, you know, what brought you to Rockefeller cigars? You didn't start the company. If people don't know, um um Avo Uvezian. You know, everybody knows who Avo is. His son, um, and, I don't know, and I don't know the story of his son and his partner, how they started the company, how he just didn't work for Avvo is, is beyond me to have that, that, have that brand name. But um, how did, you know, I don't know how you came in to, to Rockefeller Cigars.
1: So I was going to open up a cigar lounge right near Barclays in Brooklyn, right? And it turned out it didn't happen. I went down to, at the time, IPCPR, not PCA. I went down and I was with a retailer and I spent some time with him. And I met his son, and you know I didn't really know much about him at the time, and I can't really talk about it because. But the but the end of the day, I was fifty percent partner of Rockefeller, right? So Rockefeller was the other partner. His wife is actually a real Rockefeller, and that's how they're allowed to use the name, and that's how we are allowed to use the name from the beginning because it was okay. trademarked with that name. The real name is Vintage Rockefeller Cigar Group. Okay. There's no dash a dash anything. He had okay. a liquor company called Rockefeller Liquor, Rockefeller Spirits. Spelt just like Rockefeller Center. And I wanted to keep the guy on, but the other partner didn't want to keep him on because this guy's a genius. He knows tobacco like the back of his hand who had the liquor company, like the back of his hand. And he wanted to have a cigar to match the liquor, and that's how it started. Okay. Jeff, on the other hand, Avo's son, had a whole other plan. Me and him didn't see eye to eye. I took over the company, ran with it, and since I've taken over the company, we're doing phenomenal.
0: Now, now, whatever happened with uh um with, with Jeff Alvo son? Is he still in the cigar? I don't know.
1: I don't really talk to him.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, it's not a name. Um, and 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 until honestly, until I started doing you know research on yeah, yeah, on no, I'm the
1: company 100.
0: Yeah, I, I I never knew Alvo had a son. You know, so um, but yeah, it's it, you know that's definitely a a business. I I think if if, if it, yeah, I don't know, working with family, you know, I, I don't know, maybe that's why he didn't get into the uh to the business with with pops. Right. Um, so, so, so you got into it. So now you're hundred percent owner of the company. 100%. Um, what were, what were the hurdles, you know, you faced? Cause like I said you, you, you wanted to open up a lounge. So you didn't open up a lounge. Now you own a cigar company. What is, you know, what is, you know, when, when the wizard of Oz pulls the sheet back, <laughs> what, 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 what did you see behind the sheet
1: and did it make you want to run? So what I can, well, so what I can talk about is, so the first thing I did was I wanted the company firm on the ground, right? So I let him take the inventory down to zero. I didn't go back to the old stores. He had the Dominican cigars everywhere that came out of tobacco l and V. So I went out with new cigars coming out of Nicaragua, but they weren't new. We actually had them in 2015 and before, but only very few retailers got them. He didn't run with them. So I went down to Miami. I straightened out all the debts, cleaned up everything. And then from there, I went forward with the company. So yeah, there were some issues, but you know, I've I've got involved in businesses before, and the thing to do with them is before you even go out with a product or anything else, you need to keep them. You need to build up that company so it's firm. You need to trademark everything, keep it completely clean and firm, and run with it.
0: Yeah, and if and if there's any bad blood, you know, because that's the biggest thing I see on some of these companies, they don't clean up the bad blood.
1: Well, I cleaned you know, it up.
0: You know, so and, I, then, and then and then when you start fresh, you're like, oh, that guy still owes me two grand from two years ago, you know, and how, how can I support, you know, but then you come in and, you know, that kind of, you know, that definitely helps out. I'm like, Hey, this new guy's legit, you know, got right. got got me my money, got me everything else. Um, what, what did you change within or no, go ahead, Diggins.
2: Well, no, I was gonna, so you took over and, and kind of retooled. Um, yep. and did you bring any of those blends over with you or did you kind of start fresh? And, and if so, what was that first blend for you though?
1: So I brought over some of the Nicaraguan blends, that a lot of retailers didn't happen. What happened was I went to Nicaragua and I smoked them. I said, everybody's got to have these cigars. They're amazing, Mm -hmm. right? I spent some time with our master blender. They were amazing. And then I built out the line. So I had a full line right from the beginning. I built out the line. I held a lot of inventory because to me, I look at tobacco is better than money in the bank, right? That's how I look at it. So (laughs) the way we differentiate ourselves is because a lot of boutique companies, and I can't say every one, but some don't keep a lot of inventory. We Mm -hmm. keep inventory. Because yeah. again, at the end of the day, I think tobacco is better than money in the bank.
0: Yeah. You know, now, now is your inventory over here or you, you keep it in Miami. In- okay. So you do, br- you bring all your inventory and you hold it over, over, over here. So that, that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and that's uh, sometimes you, you face when we talk to some of these boutique makers, um, you know, keep all their inventory in Nicaragua, the Dominican, and then, you know, bring over what they need. And then. COVID 19 happens, you know, and it's just like, hey, you know, we, we, we can't get, uh, you we got know, a problem here. Yeah. yeah
1: so yeah, that's yeah. another way how we differentiate ourselves. We had inventory during COVID 19 when nobody can get product. So the other reason why I had inventory before COVID 19 is because when Nicaragua had all those uprisings, which we might get it again when his wife becomes president this year later on, when they had all those uprisings, I st- went down to the Dominican factory and started working with them. And then I started building up that factory. So I had plan B in case anything happened with plan A with Nicaragua, because we all know Nicaragua is a communist country. It's a great country. And those people are wonderful over there. And we love every one of them. You know what I mean? They work their asses off. But I worked with that Dominican factory and had ready to go. And that's how we came out with the Dominican blue, which is the Dominican cigar you have. So I went down and worked with Victor de la Cruz, who oversaw Avo during the 1980s. He was production manager at Tobacco Dom and his son Hardy. And I worked with that factory tremendously to come out with some amazing Dominican blends and work out with stuff we've had. And I found out they had stuff in the factory aged from years ago that we brought back. So it was a great experience. So after I went to all the retail, so my first mistake when I bought the company was I didn't visit the retailers. If I would have visited the retailers, it would have been different. So you yeah. live burned So I went back to all those retailers. We're back in about 90% of those retailers that we weren't in. And, you know, I'm not trying to be cocky, but I get along with them great, yeah. do the right thing because customers are always first. It's about customer service. You know what I mean? Especially in this industry. It's a people yeah. business, this industry.
0: Yeah, because because we, we have choices. You know, if, uh, yeah, if you know, I, I walk into a humidor and it's like, I, I got, you know, I got a thousand choices. Right. So, so I better
1: have a damn good cigar and I better be able to differentiate myself. And when I go into an event, I'd be able to talk to people, spend time with them, explain to them what it's all about and make yep. them feel like they're part of the process, part of the journey, part of the experience of Rockefeller. Yeah. yeah. That's what we try to do wherever we go. Yeah, you know,
0: now when you um you were uh, looking to open up um uh your your own lounge, um um I mean, had have you had have you, you know, have you ever have you worked in a lounge or or visiting like the factories, the farms and you really wanted to get into the to the so, lounge
1: business or so I have been to some crazy countries back in the past, but we're not talking about that right now. Yeah. But so I did go to Managua in the past, okay. but I never went out to Esteli. When I first went to Esteli, I was amazed and I kept my mouth shut and just started learning and kept learning. No. So I was never worked in a cigar lounge. I've helped out in cigar lounges, but I never yeah. actually worked for money in a cigar lounge. No.
0: Okay. So, then, so, yeah, so, so then you wanted to open one up and then when that didn't work, you bought a company and then uh, with, with not a lot of like, that's, that's ballsy right yeah. there. I'm telling you, I don't think that I could, you know, you, you, you've got to have, but, you know, obviously with your with your business acumen, you know, if you're a good businessman, you can technically, you can make any business. You make any any business if if you, you identify the faults, if you, at least, at least you smoked, you know, I, I'm assuming you were an avid cigar smoker at that Smoking point.
1: Well, 36 years.
0: Oh, okay. So where, where, where did your love of cigar, who was in, who was the family member? Or what was the anti?
1: So my grandfather was a cigar smoker and he smoked oh. White Owls and I smoked with him and his father held, his father held him in high regard. So he yeah. never yelled at me for smoking cigars, even though my father didn't smoke cigars. And then from that point on, you know, I smoked, I went to De La Concha in the city and they actually treated me and taught me a lot about cigars. We had a Lionel, I think it was George at the time and, and taught me a lot about cigars and I loved it. And I started mm-hmm. smoking a lot of different blends. Yes, they were Cubans and that were great. But you know, eventually I started liking some of the abos. I started smoking dampapines, fuentes, the 858s, five eights, the curly heads, and moved up.
0: So, so, um, um, how um integral are you into? Have you have you diving into the blending process? You're, you know, getting your toes wet, or or how you know. Are you leaving that up to because me? I'd have to leave it up to the master blender, or I'd just I'd bankrupt the whole company. Um, but uh, so, how <laughs> integral are you in, in in the blending
1: process? So in the beginning, I wasn't right. Yeah, but then which, as which is coming, good. <laughs> oh you know, yeah, yeah, because you know I kept my mouth shut, like I said, and I learned. Yeah, and what happens is you start smoking different leaves and, and you start compartmentalizing those tastes in your head. And for me, that's how I start building my palate. And When I went down to the Dominican factory, he gave me a bunch of cigars. And he said, well, what do you think of these? Because I want to come out with a different cigar. And that was how Dominican Blue was born. And I said, you know what? They're good. But I went to Sasua, which is a crazy area, as you know. I went to Susua that night. We were in Port Plata. We went to Sassua, And there was a guy from the Bronx. And I gave him a cigar. And I gave another guy a cigar. And they were sitting around me. I said, listen, you guys are important because you're going to give me the feedback I know that I need to know. So we sat and I passed the cigars around. They're like, Oh, yeah, we'll take a free cigar. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and they had the bourbon they're drinking. And and I go, So what do you think? And he goes, It's good, but it's a little strong. And it was very strong. It was a triple Hero cigar and it was very oh, strong. Oh shit. So yeah. it had it, it had Piloto, it had Seiko, it had carajo. it was a Sumatra binder, and a, and a, an Ecuadorian Habano Maduro hybrid uh wrapper. Okay. So I said it's really good, but we got to take some of that strength down. So we yeah. put Connecticut broadleaf instead of the Corojo in, and boom, it changed the whole taste of this cigar, and it appeased to everybody. And we've done very well with that cigar since then.
0: Yeah, you know, and and uh, and, and sometimes that Connecticut broadleaf, um, it, it'll intensify a cigar. You know, so you you you've really got to know your your tobacco. Now, now, me when 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 uh, uh, the, the day I want to, you know, I always, you know, people always say saying, you know, we'll give them to my friends, we'll smoke them. And um, I want to give out my cigars to friends and then be like, okay, you can't smoke them, but you got to call me every single day and I'll give you, I'll let you know when. So one day when I call them, they have the worst day, just crap day at work. They got a flat tire. I'm like, now smoke it.
2: Now, because it's going to be a good cigar no matter what. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, Smoke it now and then (laughs) let me know. It's, you know, they'll be like, ah, this cigar sucked. And it's like, well, you're already having a bad day. You're lying. Or it's just, you know, hey, you know this helped out my day. I don't know if that would work or not. But
1: uh <laughs> but but your yeah. your feedback is what helps me make a cigar, right? Bill, yeah. you, I, Diggins, the other guy who was just in the room, that helps me make a cigar because it's got to appease to everyone. If it doesn't appease to everyone, we're wasting time. I know, and I I'd be I'd be so afraid, you know, uh, we got uh, our, our good friend Dr.
0: Kathy sending me uh, um uh, uh some cigars at some candela's you know, that, that, that he, that he worked on new, I'm going to be the only person in the world that has these. And man. now I feel pressured and I don't know if I can handle that kind of pressure. Well, pass, and then,
2: pass one on down to me. Oh, Oh, you mean, know, I'll, I'll, I'll,
0: you I'll, know I'll that. that you, for you. Yeah. 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 Carol will get one. You'll get one. And it's just like, I, I don't, man, I, cause you do want to give honest feedback, you know, but some, sometimes it's like, ah, but you're my friend. And so I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping I could always give, you know, honest feedback, but, but yeah, it's um, have any of your friends or, you know,
1: people say like you, you make a cigar and they're like, I don't like it. Yeah, I've had that, of course. Everyone's got a different palate. Yeah. yeah. So I've had that, and I take that into consideration. And sometimes we tweak the blends. And other times, you know, they're entitled to their opinion. Sometimes I agree. Sometimes I don't. But that no. you know, in business, we call that a think tank, right, when you have a lot of people around you and everyone's throwing different ideas at you. That's oh, very, very important. Yeah, I, I focus group the
0: shit out of a lot of stuff. Yes, and um, uh, like Diggins is in a focus group that, that, that I'm doing now. And um, like I said, and, and then a lot of times like I said on a focus, you know, I'll start off with 8, 10, 12 people. You, you figure you get it all the narrowed down. And then I throw that to a, a group of completely 12 different people, you know, and let them dissect it. And then by the time it gets to your third group, your product's usually pretty good. Yeah, you know at 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 that at that point, you know. So yeah, and 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 people, I I don't I don't understand. Um, so many companies they don't think tank stuff, they don't focus group stuff, and you know because I'm also on a focus group, a paid focus group for a couple of companies. Sometimes it's TV shows, sometimes I'm on a mock jury, and I'll, honestly, people look that up. It pays crazy money sometimes. Sometimes you make five hundred dollars. For sitting and watching TV for eight hours—that—that's—that's that's an amazing, an amazing day. And then sometimes you can eat hot dogs all day. Hey, so, my,
2: dad, my dad got paid to to lay in bed for three weeks on a medical study.
0: Oh yeah, they, yeah, they, they have those. NASA's doing one right now, and it's a it's a six month. They they do those occasionally, but they're doing another six month, you know, study right now. But there's so many, you know, you'll you'll have a product not in the cigar business, but just any like this right here, the 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 Zicar. My, my my favorite lighter this was never focused group cuz there's a flaw in the cigar that everybody in a focus group would have picked right up they would have fixed it it would have been perfect from the, from the get go but no now they're going to have to redesign it and spend that money on the next
2: on the next model is that the one that a, has like a push button on top
0: no uh, it's just a you know, flip it and it's got a push button on, on the side you know, but the uh, the, the fuel adjustment there, there's an issue with the fuel adjustment that you know, and obviously they they didn't they didn't think tank that or focus group that that thing. So it's good to see that that you you at least utilize that because it, it is so, uh, you know, it just seems like like the giant companies, the corporate companies, they got their shit together. Pepsi, Coke, Nike, they, they got their shit together. But some of these smaller companies, they don't realize how little of an expense it really is at times. Right. You know, just just to get some um, to get some feedback from from your from your guys. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, take that. You know, so yeah, have you ever, you know, just across the board there was a cigar like everybody's like, no, no, this isn't this isn't good. Thank God. No, <laughs> I I, 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 w- I would hope so. Like that that's a that, that's a that's a tough one. Um, now. Now, are you always. Always tinkering because I feel like I would always be tinkering. Like I would always want to be. What's, what's the next thing? What's the next thing?
1: So Jose Valdez from American caribbean is a fourth generation Cuban grower out of Pinard del Rio, originally from Cuba. Pines wow! America, right? That, yeah, that, that that's some chops right there. Hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> well, percent. He puts a cigar together, and you know, I I, I put my input in stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I usually go with what he says. He's pretty smart, and he pretty much knows tobacco.
0: That, that, is, that is good. And that's good having that person there watching your back. You Absolutely. Know, so, so many, so many of these boutique guys, you know, it's, uh, and, and I've talked to them and, and they don't know the blender, you know, of the, of the fact, Oh, I'm using such and such factory, you I and I'm not familiar with it. I'm like, Oh, like who's, who's blending that? I don't, I don't know. And I'm like, you don't know, <laughs> you, you don't, you don't know the guy you're banking your, your livelihood on. And you know, the guy that supposedly got your back you know, at the, at the factory. So, yeah. so it's good. You have that relationship. You got those chops, you know, when you, you know, people, you know, tell people who's blending your cigar, you say,
2: and people are like, wow, you know, that's almost a step back moment. Yeah. Hey um, Kevin, I see something interesting in the comments here. I um, have been,
0: I've been so focused. I don't know. I'm sorry. It's so digging. in no, no,
2: Yeah. Uh, tell us about the blind tasting of your Maduro Lancero.
1: So, yeah, so we did a blind taste of my Maduro Lancero. Allison, who's working for me on social media in uh, in South Texas, in Austin, who's done a phenomenal job, great job. Oh, hey, I'm, she, I'm Brian Collar Station. What's going on? And so we do a little, uh, she had her Yogi Stogies one day, and we did an unbanding of the Lancero. And nobody knew it was a Rockefeller Lancero, and at the end of the day, everybody loved it and was ordering the cigar. So our Lancero special. It's a Maduro Lancero. It's got Ometepe Jalapa, Esteli, San Andreas wrapper, it, it, and a Pennsylvania broadleaf in it. But the kicker is the way he raised the ometepe and lowered the estelí, so the estelí wasn't fighting the San Andreas because it's an eighty percent wrapper, and the cigar doesn't get hot, and the ash stays with it, except the one I just dropped on myself.
0: <laughs> no, that, the- that 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 San Andreas can that that takes over a cigar. Yeah, I agree. yeah. So I mean, yeah, you you've definitely got to be. You know, I, I've had some. You know and like I said 2019 2020 is the year of San andreas like every you know obviously they've been using it for for decades but it From seems Mexico, like everybody yeah. everybody's using it and then just some people you know th- this is our new you know all we did was wrap a big old San andreas around it and I'm like man it it's it, it definitely shouldn't have been you know that much it should you know like it just it, it's just a wrapper that that can definitely overpower a cigar then you just don't get anything other than that
1: for, yeah that's how I feel too so you gotta be careful the way you blend it, and you know a really good blender by how he blends a lancero.
2: You're, you're, that's what I was gonna ask you a second ago because you had said earlier um, that lancero was your favorite size, along with uh, you know the, the, those smaller vitolas. When he sends you samples for your blends, do you ask for them in a lancero, or do you get them in the actual vitola in which you uh, plan to produce them?
1: No, he usually sends them to me either in a box press toro or regular size toro. Okay. And then if I like the blend, then I'll get it in a Lancero, or maybe okay. a four and a half by thirty-eight. Okay.
2: All right. So because a, a lot of guys, they'll say that they'll start their their blend yeah, process at the Lancero. With, yeah,
0: at the Lancero. So when I'm uh, um, going back a little bit, you uh, um, you brought the inventory back um, to, to zero. You you squared up everything else. Yep. At that point, how, you know, what was the time frame? you know, how long before the new cigars were on the shelves, you know, uh, you know, they, they were, they were out, people were ordering them. Did you have a pretty quick turnaround or, or was it, you know. It took about uh, six months to eight months. Okay.
1: <laughs> and then I so went fast. on the road. I went on the road and do what I do best. That's what I did. Went right. out there, shook everyone's hands, make great people. And I've been doing it ever since.
0: And then you, but and at that time you came into the company and um, um, FDA the whole regulations. Um, yep. Did you not know about that when you when you came? Nope, into the I knew company? about
1: it. I called three people. Oh, okay. I called, I called CRA. I called Glenn Loop. Yeah. I called uh what's his name uh oh, man the guy from Famous Artie. Oh, okay. Yeah. That since Famous was one of the first shops I smoked at too back in the day. Oh okay. I called him. I called Glenn Loop. And who else they call? Maybe the Newmans? I forgot. I remember calling a manufacturer. I forgot which one it was. And asked them their opinions, right? Yeah. Already told me I'm out of my mind. He so you okay. said, you're crazy. But I did it anyway. And then after I did it, the packaging rule went away. I hired a really good lawyer. I'm sure you know him, Frank Herrera. Okay. I, I hired Frank. And ever since then, you know, we've dotted our I's, crossed our T's, and, you know, we're prepared. <sighs> So yeah, I was gonna
2: ask. You got the packaging prepared, I'm I'm
1: sure, and it's just on the shelf like everyone else, right? No, but we're prepared with everything else too. Yeah, okay. a lot of money in legal fees, and we're prepared.
0: Now, now, yeah. now, had you started with the packaging, and then they they deemed that you know they took that away? So did you have to restart? Or no, they you- never
1: took it away. They said you can repackage a cigar. Oh, okay. And so that did go to court, and I was waiting on it, and it turned out in my favor. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go with this. It's going good. I love cigars. And I think it's going to work out.
0: All yeah. right. Yeah. Could I, was looking, I was, take
1: a risk? Absolutely. 100%.
2: And I mean, no, no risk, no reward, but. Right. A man that's been doing magic since he was eight years old knows all about risk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, uh, and, and I had said I was before I even started, you know,
0: my show. And this was like when all of this first came down, you know, we're probably a year in all of this. And I was a guest on another show. And they asked me about what, you know, where the cigar industry is going to be in five years. And that was three years ago. And I'm like, I think we're going to be good. And uh, you mentioned the Newman. they asked me about, and uh, uh, the Newman's I go, JC Newman, I go, Bob- Bobby Newman, you know, or no, but not Bobby, um, um, drew. Uh, drew, I go, he, he's the, uh, uh the legal counsel for the family that they-, they just, they-, they just announced like a $15 million, whatever expansion. I go, they got to know something, you know, you don't, don't, that kind of money into a factory that's here in the states you know not anywhere else so um so yeah it was definitely they, they gambled obviously it paid off so you're gambling but yeah I, I saw that timeline of when you started the company i go did he not know because no, yeah, I you know so that was a uh, that was definitely definitely a I good
1: i mean tobacco's uh, been around a long time right so yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and you know what we're a cra member and i think all boutique companies should be cra members it's a small industry, and in my opinion it's very very important to support this industry
0: Def, definitely super important and, and not just brand owners like I said anybody you know get your membership you know it's not that I think like 25 dollars a year or something I don't even
1: know I have no, it's auto- more for a manufacturer but
0: yeah no. oh yeah yeah and, and I don't even know it's auto charge on my credit card each year I just I, you know I, I, I get it's, the,
2: the... it's equivalent to a cigar or two and I believe when you sign up you get a cigar or two yeah, usually you get like two cigars. Yeah, Um, when you sign up like the first time, and um, so so you said you know
0: you you instantly hit the road. So pre COVID, um, now do you guys have reps, brokers, or is it just all you? How is we have
1: we have brokers. No, it's just us on me, and we have reps around the country. So we're in six different markets right now. Okay, our biggest markets are probably New York, New England, and Texas with Dickens's. How do you see uh, um, New York? I mean, how, how is... So they just raised the tax to 75% or they get rid of the loophole. And now they're talking about going 129%. And look, it's it's tough. You know what I mean? It's tough on these small businesses, especially during COVID. I mean, you're asking a lot of these businesses. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous. It's like they almost want to get rid of tobacco altogether in the state of New York. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, I was just talking with uh, with Armin uh, from DAV Cigars and Dr. Caffey and, uh, on, on their show the other night. And that's just a, how do you how does a, a New Yorker feel you know you go into a lounge and then knowing that everywhere in the country well, almost that it's a, you're, you're smoking a, a $10 cigar and right. there I've got to go up to this place and buy a twenty whatever it is cigar it, it's absolutely insane
1: they're not happy I'm not happy for them I mean it's terrible
0: you know I mean, it, do, do you see um or have you heard of a um of a mass exodus just people getting out or people i don't i don't know the new york mentality okay you know, they're it,
1: trying to you know new yorkers are tough as you know yeah, they're yeah. trying to you know they're trying to make it work as possible best they can they're trying to make it work and we're there to support them 100% but it's not easy it's not easy at all
0: yeah yeah it, it can't be you know you look at you know and then I, I see something like, uh, um, Armin was saying, whatever, some lounge that they go to in, in New York, it's like on the corner of like this street and this street, and which is crazy, the the rent. You know, look at Nat Sherman. What, what the hell was the rent? At, I mean, what could that have possibly cost them a month? How in the world could they have ever paid their rent each month?
1: Well, and man, it was man, an icon man. in the city. It was an icon, yeah. Nat Sherman. Yeah. You know what I mean? After trading or something during the day, we'd always go to Nat Sherman and hang out.
0: Yeah. Now, now, what, what's what's Nat Sherman going to do? What's that? What's that building? Um, Who
1: knows what they're going to put that building and what they're going to make into it now?
0: You know, I remember seeing Michael Herklotz.
1: You know, he um, was a great guy.
0: You know, a fantastic, fantastic. And I saw the video he had posted up um, on on LinkedIn. I don't know if he posted it anywhere else. And yeah. you know, sweeping up, and then um, for the last time, and. Locking those doors and and jiggling them, and it was just it was it was tear breaking because that's that's yeah. Ned Sherman, that's you know that's Michael Herklotz, you know, mm-hmm. just um, and I know the world. Every social media or every uh, uh, cigar media guy is just reaching out. Hey, can I be the first? Can I be the first? And that's all you have to say to Michael because you know you are talking about where are you going? Right. Where are you going? And then what you know. What what company is he a good good fit for? Where where do you
1: see could, can you you know can you even guess what would be a good company for him? Fuente Padrone, Davidoff, he's a class act. He always I, has I, been. He's I, always I, made you feel special I, when you went into the lounge.
0: Yeah, I, I always said Davidoff, uh, Fuente and Padron just seem family like like yeah, they got like point. they got like they got their shit together. Not that Davidoff doesn't. <laughs> Davidoff needs a little restructuring, I think. I think Davidoff is losing their way a little bit. I don't, I don't know. I think maybe they need a Michael Herclots to, to figure out because I don't know what Davidoff is anymore. I don't so they're, know.
2: What, they're stuffy is what they are.
0: You know, they're, they're stuffy, but they, they kind of got their hands a little bit everywhere. You Good know, point. so 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 I, I don't I don't know what the company is
2: about anymore. So right, um, right. the the. I'm not, How is it pronounced, Yamasa
1: or Yamasa? So Yamasa replaced one of my favorite cigars by Davidoff, and I'm not that's a big Davidoff David smoker. Pure De Oro. Okay, Pure De Oro was one of my favorite cigars, not just because they had the little gold label on the top, yeah, the pure gold, but that was a terrific cigar. And I guess they ran out of tobacco when Yamasa replaced it. Yeah, and okay. that's a nice cigar. That's a damn good cigar. My,
0: my mine is the uh, the Anniversario number two, the Tubos. I uh, hands down, you know, nice it's not a, it's not expensive. It's like a seventeen dollar cigar. You know, every day I'll I, I would smoke that cigar. That is a fantastic. Uh, yeah. And the Zeno Regionals when they though,
2: when you're putting money into a cigar, are you going to grab Davidoff for equivalent price? Or are you going to grab Padron or even Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust or or someone else? Right.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm I think not, I can. I think I can chime pay. in on the uh, the Nat Sherman.
2: Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Bill.
3: So I'm off to the side here, engineering. Yeah. But um, you know, I'm the Cigar Rights of America ambassador for New York. So I'm tied into all this stuff that's going on. But with Nat Sherman, what's interesting about the, the regulations in Manhattan and the five boroughs is that you could no longer, uh, as of like two or three years ago, you could no longer get a license to open a cigar shop unless the cigar shop was already pre-existing. That is correct. So there, the real estate alone on the building, one would think um, that once COVID relaxes and then, you know, the economy um, verifies the vitality of New York to come back and a business is open, you'll see some other exclusive club like Macanudo or, uh, you know, a macanudo ask or maybe even a Davidoff because Davidoff opened up in Brooklyn under Boris uh, from Matador uh, who owns a chain of cigar uh, shops here in New York and Long Island. So essentially, you'll see that stay – uh, within the cigar community which is my projection only because of of the nature of the licensing in New York so they make it terribly impossible in the five boroughs to just open up a cigar shop you got, you have to have an existing location and history
0: so you you can't you can't open a cigar sh- you can't just anywhere you want
3: nope um, not at all you have to have a pre-existing um, location with a history and a license so you, it's a
1: and you can't really transfer the license even No you can't your, you right can. so you cannot So in a way, they're trying to get rid of tobacco. Right. And you go to the Bronx, which has some great stores, those small stores, it's going to be very hard for them to survive. You know what I mean? Some of those guys are good friends of mine.
3: But the problem is bigger than that, right? So as a CRA, you know, I'm one of the most proactive CRA members in in New York. Mm -hmm. And when I went to a couple of rallies, we'll just say those rallies, um, you know, I knew that there were going to be senators for the state uh, assemblymen, assembly persons for the state. So I got in my CRA gear and I went and got into the VIP and started discussing our issues with the tax as it related to what was happening to small businesses, mom and pop boutique shops that were that were literally going to be out on their on their asses right. and an inability to survive and support for their family. And unfortunately, even on our side of the street, uh, you know, the red side of the street, Um, Our leaders have little to no understanding about the dynamic of premium cigars as it relates to businesses, and they were almost, you know, ignorant to the fact, and it was quite surprising, and, you know, I had to gear my conversations to the fact of what they were doing to, to families and family businesses in order to get their attention because i said you, you guys you guys grossly underestimate the constituencies of smokers in in new york uh, alone that many people are voters you know and they they vote their cigars believe it or not right. so you know i got some headways i got some invitations after the new for the new year to go up to albany and do some do some lobbying on our own for the state but you know my fear is again is the is the ignorance level and then the fight for the um, the Democrats that really want to get rid of
1: tobacco, period. They just don't give a shit. They yeah, just I mean, a lot of they them, want it done. A lot of them are just bureaucrats. I yeah, agree. They don't, absolutely. don't care. They're industry agnostic. They don't care. That's my two cents.
0: Yeah, I, I we see, you know, and, and I just wonder, you know, it's you. I I don't you know, it's you, you guys have AOC. It's like it's like how, how do I take <laughs> New York seriously sometimes? You got how, how do you you know, Bloomberg, you've got Cuomo, you've got these guys in uh, you know, but but that's not when when I see New Yorkers when I see them on TV when I speak to them in in uh, uh, in person or on the phone or in these chats and it's like these these are these are the real guys these are the you know the, the I, I don't want to say you know Republicans these are the guys that are that are fighting for all of these rights but then the, then the rest of the state is, is it is it the rest of the state that's screwing is it like Buffalo is Buffalo screwing you guys who is screwing you know everybody because in California giant state. But Los Angeles so, County screws the entire state. So
3: dynamically and politically with demographics in, in New York. So, you, you know, in this uh, charged political environment that we just had with the presidential race, we saw um, the county list. Right. So when you looked at the county list, it was completely red. The whole state was red, except for the mass populations of these small areas that were blue. But they had the most populous because it was the rural areas that are have now turned red dynamically in in the state, but they're few and far between amount of people. So when you look at AOC's group, they're in a stronghold. There's no, there's absolutely no, and they don't let them. You're you're shunned if you do not fall in line with their ideologies in those areas and Queens and Brooklyn. You know because of the nature of the unions. That have the strongest hold on all of them. That means the teachers' unions, the other type of unions. Now we had some we had some exoduses for the uh, the labor unions, but for the most part, they it's the people that run the unions that were really the lobbyists for gaining their uh, their their advantages for being tied to the Democratic Committee, you know, in in New York. So it's a it's an uphill battle, um, but dynamically, to answer your question, is that lower New York owns the whole state, like. We have Manhattan, we have Brooklyn, right. you know, we have massive economies in a small area for the whole state that make the state function. And they realize that too. That's why we always have a, Repu- a democratic governor, you know?
0: All right. Yep. Uh, that, that, that's certainly good. Allison uh, wants to know uh, uh, where he's, where I see the cigar industry going. Um, I, I, I was op- super optimistic about the cigar industry until, uh, Biden announced a, uh, his, uh, uh, chief guy to uh, to be running um, uh, everything, uh, uh, including the FDA, and you know a known anti-tobacco guy, just known at least at least under under Trump, you know. Um, um, and then even even under um, um, Obama, his guy, I forget, you I know, mean, I, I can't remember that guy's name offhand. You know, he eventually bounced from the job. You know, so um, Scott, I
2: Kevin Gold. Where you see Scott, the industry
1: Goldberg? Yeah, I'm sorry. So where do you see the industry going? I mean, it's a wonderful industry. What scares me about the FDA is going to take all the creativity away from the industry. And this industry is based a lot on creativity, coming out with new ideas, coming out with new cigars. And that would be horrible if that happens. I see a lot of money, though, going, unfortunately, going the other way, going into cannabis and not going into cigars because they want to collect the taxes from cannabis. And they know they can get a great deal of money from that. So they're leaning that way more towards our way. The other thing is Altria, which is a powerful lobbyist group, as Bill knows, is going out buying farms of cannabis right now. Mm -hmm. So that's where they're that's pretty much, in my opinion, where the money is going. The other thing is, I think they've got so much going on right now with all the vaccines, a lot of new drugs that are coming out that they're not so focused right now on tobacco, at least in the beginning of the administration. Yeah. Will two years from now that be the case? Yeah, probably. Since he's anti-tobacco, but not in the beginning. I don't think so. I think they have too much on their plate right now.
0: I I, I, th- I agree. I, think, I, I agree. And then I, I think right now that's that's the most that has me optimistic. So the, so they're going to spend the next two years trying to because we're going we're going to be dealing with COVID for the next couple of years, no matter how you look at it. You know, yeah. trying to get the entire population if if they're if they are going to get vaccinated, um, and then you've got to do it a second time. So we're, we're two years from now before we could possibly be, you know, wiping this slate clean. Right. And, and the, my only thing is, at, you know, so we'll have at that point, you know, we've had a good two years, you know, of the FDA kind of leaving us alone, maybe a good solid year. Hopefully we'll have three years of under our belt to where they're not going to want to start all over again.
1: Right. Hopefully.
0: Bringing the lawsuits, bringing everything else, and just just starting this whole mess again in which they know is going to take another five years. You know, hopefully
1: um, that's the years. case.
0: Ho- ho- hopefully. Um, now, you had mentioned earlier that um, uh, you took over the company. You, you, you hit the road like pre-COVID. Um, how much are you? Are you on the road a lot? Or are you letting it? You letting your people handle it, or how much are you? So,
1: last year we did the numbers: one hundred ninety-one days I traveled. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Good guy, and you and you and you got a family. You got a, a wife. Said two kids. I don't know. Yeah, you said two wife, kids. two
1: kids, She's very understanding.
0: She has got to be. I, I sometimes sit in this office for six or seven hours, and it's not quite so understanding at times. Right. You know, no. you, you're on the road a couple hundred days. It's probably why we have a good marriage. I'm yeah. That, no, no, you're 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 right about that. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. Sometimes after eight, Grow the yeah, it's it. Eight, eight hours, I'll go in there and get in her way. And she's like, you just go back to your office, you know? So I'm like, all right, whatever, you know? So um, do, do you enjoy, do you enjoy the road? You know, so I love the
1: road. So when okay. I worked on a yeah. portion of me, when I worked on Wall Street, when I wasn't traveling, I was, I was covering Texas, Colorado, and certain areas like that. And I love being on the road. In fact, I would go to a lot of places and, you know, we had a niche, right? We would go find institutions oh. that are in areas that nobody covers, so, you know, I don't have to be a monster hedge fund, a monster institution, but we would go over there and they were like, thanks for coming because nobody comes to see us. So there you go. They're riches and niches, right? Yeah. So we would go see them. And he's like, you know, and here I am in my jeans with a blazer on and, a, and, and and a nice shirt underneath. And he walks in. The first thing he said to me, I'll never forget this. He goes, how come you're not wearing a suit? Whoever comes to see us wears a suit. I'm like, do you really want another empty suit coming in to see you? I know. <laughs> And he uh, laughed at me he looked at me and he goes you're perfect man I love it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah do you, do you want me to get a carpet bag too and right then, yeah exactly. and, then, and then come in you know maybe maybe on a on a buggy with you know uh, you know a bullhorn Right. Know, ne- you, I've never been that guy <laughs> yeah do, do, do you want do you want to
2: do that you
1: know I like so, that
2: that little catchphrase I've never heard that before and I will recycle that there's go really ahead, good use pitches, it man. I'm I' got lots
1: about. of them yeah so,
0: so, so we'll get, we'll get all the way back around this, 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 this is like, oh, one of those weird movies. So now we go all the way back. So you're, so you're, you're, uh, you're on wall street. And, uh, and the one thing I, um, I, I, I don't, everybody always says he's a gold trader, gold trader, gold trader. Um, and then everybody talks about gold. Uh, I watched the show gold rush. I'm hooked on it. Um, why is it, why is it gold? Uh, why not Palladium, Platinum, Iridium? People don't realize how rare Iridium is. Can, can, can you not trade those or what is?
1: So I was, I, so, okay. So I met this guy a long time ago who was not with us right now. This guy, Herb Spielman, who was a commodities trader for uh, a company called Lehman Brothers. We all know it. It collapsed. <laughs> yeah. So, But anyway, so started teaching me about gold stocks and you know, my father did a lot of business up in canada and i went up there and i went up to the Red lake area and they weren't watching the kids back then so i hung out with some geologists i went to a mine and i and i, and I was kind of hooked i was and i got to about i think it was like 19 and i started sending my resume out to like barrack new mine all these different companies saying hey i want to be a miner i want to be in the blah 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 and they're like uh you're too young kid you know call us when you get a little older so that pissed me off Really, I mean, I wrote out like all these, res, you know, all this great stuff. I was really upset. I remember that was one of my my setbacks. I was really, really upset. And then I started working with a guy named Paul Carlino, who handled all the South African gold stocks. And back then, the South African gold stocks like Western Deeps, Val Reefs, Dry Fontaine, Kloof, they were all almost like utility stocks. They paid huge dividends. And I would always watch them at night and they would move up and watch them. And I remember the first time I traded gold, it was Gold Futures. And it was in the middle of the night. And I was like, wow, this is cool. I can make money. Almost like the Robin Hood traders now, right? I can make money. And one day I made money. Next day I made money. And then I got wiped out. Whatever money I had, I'm like, my friend says he saw me on the train. I was so depressed. It was scary. Mm -hmm. But thank God I was young and I learned the lesson, right? At that time, Jay Aaron, who was Goldman Sachs's commodity department at the time, every time gold got to 428 around that area, they would short it. And I didn't know that, right? So I understood it afterwards and I learned and it taught me a lot. It taught me not to put my eggs in one basket right away. It taught me yeah, you know, it taught me a lot about finance and a lot about the market and how powerful the stock market is and how powerful the futures market. And back then, the futures were a lot more crazy than the S&P, were a lot more crazy. The S&P, whatever small it was, or the Dow Jones, I think it was around 3,000 and collapsed in 87, was a lot. It was, there wasn't as much volume. It was a different, different market. It wasn't so computer oriented. So- I really love gold, and I still want to get into it. And I worked for this guy, Howie Winkler, and he had a heart attack at 31. Unfortunately, great guy though. And I started trading coffee and cocoa, and the markets were wild. The futures markets were wild, and that's how I got into it. And then I went to the restaurant business, and then I went back. Then I went into Wall Street, and when I got into Wall Street, I started seeing myself going towards the gold equities. Those South Africans where I met Paul, and I started learning more and more about it. And I was like, well, how could I go back to these mining companies? And how could I find investors and put it together? So eventually we did. We found invest. I found investors. I spoke to these mining companies. At the end of the day, you can't give up. You can never give up. And we went to countries with no embassies, military translators. It was a long time ago. It was like when I was 29 into my 30s so I was 40. And it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And I loved every, every minute of it. And back then, they weren't so green, those companies, and they were destroying water supplies of tribal leaders. At it. But, you know, a company like Newmont Mining that employed 6,000 people through Peru. Wow. And Peru's government was getting royalties. So they're not going to take the side of the indigenous people with the tribal <laughs> leaders. They couldn't care, right? Because they're getting tremendous royalties.
0: Yeah, that's it's, it's the same when a, when, when a tribe finds oil. Right. You know, or something else,
1: you know. Right. It's like, you know, and um, so, get, get out. And so I was hooked. And... After that, I came back to Wall Street, you know, and, and I was going to do some traveling. In fact, I was going to go to Ghana, Burkina Faso, where China's been there a long time. And uh, they don't tell anybody, but they were there a long time. And Bill knows it was the gold, the gold area of uh, West Africa. And <laughs> Ebola broke out. And my son was just born. And my wife's like, yeah, if you don't go, don't come back or whatever. Right. So I <laughs> didn't go. I, I didn't go. But the interesting thing in 2007, I used to set up the international carry trade for people, too. And in 2007, Barons reached out to me and they say, where's gold going? And my wife was giving birth at the time. We were in the hospital. And I was like, really? We're going to do an interview in the hospital. <laughs> we, did, we did one. And he goes, where's gold going? And I'm like, well, two things could happen. It could go down or it could go up. Like, you know, that's usually what happens now. <laughs> so I said, I said, gold's going to 850 by the end of the year. They told me I was crazy. I'm out of my mind. I'm like, no, it's going 850. Trust me. Because there's something called the carry trade. And the carry trade, what it means is central banks hold gold, right? But when yeah. they hold that gold, they're not getting any interest, doesn't pay interest. So they they lease that gold out to bullion banks in London, and they pay them 1%. At the time, I think interest rates were 4.5%. So at 4.5%, you take 1% away, you're getting a nice 3.5%. Well, that's fine if everything stays stable. But if it doesn't stay stable, the price of gold starts going up, the dollar goes down, and treasury bills goes down, you got a storm coming up. And they were not ready for that storm, and so I told them gold was going to eight fifty, and they asked me why, and I told them because the carry trade is about to unwind, and when that carry trade is going to unwind, you're going to see an explosion in the price of gold like you've never seen. And people thought I was nuts. I'm like, okay, I wasn't nuts. It's exactly what happened. You had an explosion happening now, right? Well, well, hold on. It, it, you had an explosion, and once in two thousand and four, when gold got past four twenty eight, even though the market was going up. Real estate was going up. Everything was going up because Greenspan spiked the punch. What happened was when you got above that 428 level and gold was going up and stocks were going up, I said to myself, something's very wrong here. And sure enough, the market cracked in in 2008 and gold started eventually coming back and going through the roof.
2: All right. So here's, here's the next question because you mentioned it earlier. Is cannabis the next gold rush? Is that where, where the, the investment money should go nowadays?
1: So, Cannabis has already had some big moves, right? Yeah. A lot of those Canadian stocks didn't work out. And one thing I learned in the gold market is uh, a lot of those Canadian stocks are all promotion hypes, but they're not real, right? Mm-hmm. So, like Telray went from 300 down. Yeah. There were three true good, good cannabis companies in the US, one of them being True Lives, the other one being Caroleaf, and the other one being Green Thumb. And those oh, stocks really? already come up a lot. So, I think cannabis, in my opinion, is going to be legal federally right every yeah. control what they want but federally cannabis is going to be legal how's it going to affect it i mean you've had a big move already they want to see what happens can they go higher yeah i'd probably buy them on dips 100 percent. but you better buy the right ones so chronos you, you don't think chronos is a is a buy then so chronos they already wrote it off right altria wrote that off and they wrote Jewel off mm-hmm. so, so they own it for basically nothing to 30 percent. so it's like an option or warrant to them so yeah at the end of the day, Cronus could be a good buy. Okay. What, Canopy what what, what, never- Growth could be a good buy because Constellation owns a piece of it, yeah. but they got a lot of work to do to figure it out. They got a lot of debt, and they got to figure that out. So what, what
0: I know, we talked a little bit on the phone. Afria, do you think you think Afria is going to get to three hundred, four hundred? You think that's ever because they got the German market locked up, which Germany hasn't. They haven't announced that they're going to, but once they, you know, they're the only ones right now that have a license in Germany. Right. So if, if they open that up, I'm hoping, yeah. you know, you know, you know, I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping after you, but, but so, so I've got, I've got, you know, I, I want to put another five grand into the cannabis market.
1: I'm just going to say one thing before you say anything else. Yeah. Hoping yeah. hoping works in horseshoes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. in stock markets, they have something called hoping, happy and holding. And I've seen <laughs> that happen every time when you get false rallies in stocks, Yeah, when they go up, when, you, when they go up, you think they're going to go higher, so you hold them, right? Bulls and bears, bulls and bears make money. Pigs get led to slaughterhouses. Right now, you have a Nasdaq explosion. Let me tell you what's going on in the market right now, if you want to talk market. The yeah. market has discounted. So after COVID, when everything was collapsed and everyone's like, well, why aren't stocks going down? They're going back up because the market knows that. The market knows, already that COVID hit and the worst is done. That's what Bill Ackerman capitalized on. The market knew that. Now the market's going up because it's looking for the vaccine. So once the vaccine hits, the market will probably be a sell because the market's discounting the vaccine now. We'll see how good the vaccine is. Then the market's going to focus as well as Janet Yellen or Biden going to raise taxes. So it's going to go down before that happens. Okay. So the market's the greatest discounter in the world, and it's always looking for an opportunity to discount anything it can see because that's how it sucks people out of the market. That's why everybody's sold at the bottom. When you get capitulation like that, it happens very rare. It happened in 1987. It happened in 1999 with the dot com bubble, blah, blah, mm-hmm. bubble. It happened in 2000 and 2008. Happened again now with COVID, which took the market by surprise. Yeah. But at the end, at the bottom, you have so much fear. You are afraid to touch those stocks. We call it black pessimism. You are petrified to touch a stock at the bottom of the market. I don't care who you are. That's why a lot of funds miss out. And their numbers are down. They're like, "Oh my God, we better pay up here." But then you get guys like Carl Icahn buying oxy at nine dollars, ten dollars, and everybody's looking at him like he's out of his mind. No, he's right because they're going to stop buying it at twenty or thirty, and they're wrong. But they got to be there. Yeah, they got to be there because they got to they got to take care of their shareholders. Yeah.
0: Right. right What what about what what about a a cryptocurrency? Where where do you see that? Um, um, Where where do you see that going?
1: so cryptocurrency is like the uh, the new man's gold, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why gold suffered and, and cryptos have been going up. I think there is going to be some kind of digital currency because they want to know where all the money is so they can tax it. So there is going to be yeah. some some form of digital currency. Is it going to be Bitcoin? Maybe not. Maybe yes. At the end of the day, though, banks now, central banks, from what I understand, don't quote me, are allowed to have Bitcoin on their assets on, on their asset sheet. If really that, yeah, yeah. And if that's the case then Bitcoin's gonna definitely trend higher. There's yeah. been a lot of inflows into Bitcoin and a lot of outflows out of gold. But at the end of the day they want to know where every dime is. They've, they've experimented with having digital currency and I think it's gonna happen. I don't know if it's gonna happen next four years, next eight wow. years next year but it is going to happen that's where they're going.
3: yeah I mean yeah. I said I sit on a board in, in California called Americas and we're getting involved with a Bitcoin play um, for structured trade. And it's quite wild what's going on, but it, a lot of like what he said about the banking issue is that you know you had Jamie Dimon three years ago going, Bitcoin, this is not going to happen, we're not going to do it, and all of a sudden Chase, which is the biggest bank, JPMorgan Chase, they wound up getting into Bitcoin right. and they're throwing a shitload of it, and now they're trying to organize it. Not only they're trying to organize it from the tax point, but they're trying to make money off of it so that they can survive where they Absolutely. play the game of taxation. So it's uh, it's definitely. And where we're going with the new administration, it's going to be something that is because this is how for the for the longest of times you had governments involved in Bitcoin on a a quiet tip simply because they were able to move money around certain ways to get certain things done without without great uh, intrusion from other governments. So it's already been there. It's going further, you know, and and as we start uh, monetizing Bitcoin, you're going to start seeing it become a true currency. I mean, you have ATM Bitcoins, Bitcoin ATM machines now that are at its highest than they've ever seen. There's a reason for that because they're trying to get the money transfer from Bitcoins into cash. And once oh, that yeah. happens, you know,
1: you can buy it on PayPal. That too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the interesting thing, too, is that you're seeing these IPOs like DoorDash, Airbnb, all these companies, even yeah. Chewy, Chewy, which has done very well. Yeah. yeah. Still running losses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. These EV model companies still running losses. So at the end of the day, there's tremendous speculation in this market. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought DoorDash, who'd have thought Airbnb, who'd have thought they opened up at what they did? Airbnb is worth more than Hilton, Marriott, and MGM put together. I think I heard
0: And they don't make any money. They right. don't make any money. I don't it, right. it just and they and they don't have property. It just it, it right. boggles my mind, you know. Uh and look I I'm looking at that, and I'm like like I don't know, you know, it maybe opens up at thirty five, maybe buy a little bit makes and then it's like like one forty five. Like how the hell is yeah. you know, and then you know, still you know these, these companies like that, you know, a um, uh, Tesla. Who, yeah, they, I mean, you know, they, they make they make money. It's uh, you know, it's uh, uh, I, I guess in the broadest sense that, that they still make money.
1: I mean, but Tesla's here to stay, man. There were guys who were short in Tesla at 28, and they were wrong. They, they, they were de- dead wrong.
0: And uh, um, um, I don't know. Do you, do you see – and for the foreseeable future, I know nobody's going to catch them.
1: You know? and, well, and, I mean, General Motors has a hell of an EV product. But the yeah. thing with General Motors is – so I look for other things in the market. I look for special situations. So General Motors is a special situation because if they ever spin off their EV market and it trades 100 times sales, that stock is cheap. yeah. You know what I mean? So I look for special situations in the market too.
3: That's why I think Rockefeller Cigars is going to do great in Texas because what we're seeing now is an exodus of massive <laughs> multi-billion dollar companies like Tesla move to Texas. And, and cigars horrible. is still considered a luxury item at the very top. So but when that, you start when you're fluctuated in that marketplace like Rockefeller is, it can only be beneficial. I I, I I
0: wish I would have bought land in Austin, you know, 10 years ago, you know, Oracle, like, like you just said, Oracle just moved, you know, Texas or a uh, Tesla just moved, you know, it just, we well, yeah. got HP Dell.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Larry, yeah. It used to be the big oil state, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, now it's, uh, you know, bis- businesses, you know, Texas is, you know, same, same as Florida here, you know, bring it, bring us your business. Our, our taxes are low. We're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna screw you. And, Right. Yeah, you know, they're you know they're 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 leaving. I, I forget what the uh, um the postal service they had said on the the change of address from New York, you know um during uh, uh COVID and it was, it was something crazy. You know like a hundred thousand people a month or something. You know I forget what the numbers they released were were you know having change of address forms for for New York. You know yeah, Gold, were, Goldman Goldman Asset just moved out there. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know it, it it's absolutely insane. You know and then. I, I don't know what some of these states are going to do. What's New York? I mean, if this keeps up over the next, you know, it may take 10, almost 10 years. Six,
1: almost sixteen thousand vacancies right now in New York City. That's crazy. That's that, true. That, nuts.
0: That, that that is insane. I mean, and and, and 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 it may take a decade for the states to feel that. But how, how are you going to make that up? You know, how? Right. how yeah, you know, no, how, it's,
3: how, well, for you that's going to be fine because the the, yeah. the market, the real estate market, like uh, you know, I, I know Kevin's a, a modest guy, but he has a beautiful home on the water in my town and you know if he ever wants to move that property alone is going to be worth like you know they're getting 30 000 to 50,000 over asking on houses that are 1500 square feet it's insane what's happening cuz the right. exodus is happening out to the the long island which is you know we're all part of long island the boroughs and and where we're at so essentially it's it's really crazy they're not necessarily not everyone is fleeing New York well, per we, se, but there there's a lot coming out here.
1: Yeah, we talked about leaving and the two places we would go are Texas or Florida. Yeah.
3: Which are the yeah. most conducive for for you know, there's no sales there's no income tax and yes. you know it's
1: it's easy. Tobacco and plus it's second amendment states. Right. Second price. Right? So right. that, yeah, yeah. that means yeah. a lot to me. So well we go
3: so we go hand in hand. Cigars and believe yeah. yeah. it right. or not, there's a there's a strong correlation between uh premium cigar smokers and in, in the second amendment i mean it's an infringement 100%. on a god-given right to do what you want to do with your body you know exactly
0: in florida we have a we have zero percent uh tobacco tax so uh yep. we, we we definitely love it down here so there are lounges everywhere we just alcohol we you know getting a, a liquor license is really hard in florida but other than that you can open up a a cigar shop uh everywhere um so what do you got coming in um um 2021? What's the uh, are you itching to get back on the road? Are you do- are you doing? If they have live, you know TPE um, PCA, are are you are you getting back? Are you doing
1: booths there? Yes, yeah, so we already set up for a booth at TPE. Um, are we going to do PCA after TPA? Maybe, maybe it's literally two months after it. That's so that's we'll
0: what we. I've been asking some other people, and that's what so we're going to see
1: what we're going to see what happens. But I just want to say one more thing before I forget. We were just talking about real quick about the market
0: yeah yeah, take,
1: take, Yeah, i'm gonna tell you one thing that's amazing that people don't get remember i said wall street is like first of all you're buying companies as buffett says not stocks and yeah if you hold them you usually make money over the long period but you have fear and you have greed two very very high emotions right and you could put on four trades a year you don't have to day trade because day trade i see nothing but stretches eventually happen because at the end of the day Wall Street's legal gambling, you're going to lose your money. Uh, It it might take a year, it might take five years, it might take 10 years, but it's going to happen. But if you put on four trades at the bottom, when people are puking them out on fear, and you buy the gorilla in that sector, in the company, when they're depressed, you're going to make money. And on the other end, when you sell or short, at the top, when they're reaching and they're reaching and they're reaching, you get to that greed point and you sell it, you're going to make money. You just have to have tremendous, the, the, the graves of Wall Street were filled with people who were right but early. So you just have to have tremendous, tremendous patience, right? The hardest thing to do is sit tight and be that's right. I was about
2: to say, it sounds like a lot of self-control, which is something I'm not very
1: good at. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> learn. you learn when you're in the trenches. Don't think I didn't have losses. I did.
0: That's, that's why I let, you know, I let Fidelity manage 95% of, of their, like, just do do your job.
2: Yeah, right. I don't look at it. I just it, leave it. it, it I look at it once a year and and
0: yeah, and then I play with just a little bit, you know. And I and I'm and I'm a hold guy. I don't buy, you know, when when, when I decided to, you know, or to roll the dice and, and buy this, it's a 10 year, 15 year whether whether it go whether it's going to tank or whether it's going to do good, I just yeah. hold it, you but know. I You're really
2: good. think that that we are looking at the next gold rush, green yeah. rush.
1: Well, you know what? You get your information. Forget cell side analysts. You get your information from being out in the field, from getting getting a truck, getting a cell phone, and go visit every single store of that group. That's how you get your information from talking to the employees. There's a lot to say about being out in the field and learning about companies. Yeah. But going back to the other thing, so we got four new cigars coming out. We're working on. Okay. We We got a box press Cameroon. We got a box press Sumatra. And uh, one other one coming out, and we did just come out with a four and a half by thirty eight. We're calling it Little Lance, which is a small Lancero that'll be hitting the market.
0: Yeah, a four, a four and a half by thirty eight.
1: Perfect winter smoke. Yep.
0: Yeah, what, what's that? Is that uh, what's that going to come into a um, 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 a
1: box or a soft pack or? No, what? It's a, it's going to be in bundles of five and ten. Oh, okay. So yeah, we're trying it out in the market now. We made it for we made it for a certain guy, wow. and he's like, by all means, let everyone else have it, and. uh... That's the way most of my guys are. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I would definitely ask permission first if they're the ones who gave me the idea. Yeah, and so we're coming out with it, and we'll see how it does. I think it's going to do really, really well.
0: You know, the, the, this is the year for the uh, for the short cigars. You know, we, we did uh, uh, the the Battle of the Bands. You know, with Smoke In, and um, I you know I chose all short cigars. You know, all you know five shorties in in, in a row, and that was the biggest. You know, and and I did, I just knew you know that was something that Abe liked. And people were, you know, that they wanted these shorter smokes. And I said, it's, it it definitely, it definitely works. I definitely think that's going to be a a big one. How is it? What was your learning curve with with Cameroon? Is there a big, it's such a tricky tobacco.
1: And it's very fragile tobacco. I agree. So we made a triple wrap, which was San Andreas, Sumatra, Cameroon. uh, San Andreas, Sumatra, San Andreas, Cameroon. It was a limited limited run. It went really, really well. And I love the Cameroon. And so I was like, you know what? I want to do a Cameroon. That was yeah. my learning curve. I loved it, and I, know, think that, I think that Jose Valdez an American Caribbean, can make a great cigar. So I know it's going to come out great.
0: So a, any uh, um, uh, any hard times? Because you know the Fuente's got that damn Cameroon locked up. Um, did you do you have hard time um, getting it, or does it seem? Cause I I don't know what the I, so I know we're using Ecuador. We're,
1: we're using Ecuadorian Cameroon. Oh, okay. Not African Cameroon.
0: Oh, okay. You know, which I like in Ecuador and Cameroon, I've, I've been asking people like I said, why isn't you know um, um, uh, Honduras? Why isn't the Dominican? Why is it? You know, are they growing Cameroon now? They're not telling us, right? And just and just trying it out. So it'll it'll be it'll be interesting. But um,
2: yeah, another yeah, great San Andreas. You know, you, you, is that being grown all over the place? Because I'm starting to see the San Andreas pop up.
0: Yeah,
1: apart. yes. Yeah.
0: So, so right on. So, so four new blends, Where are we going to see them just spread out throughout the year or, or is that going to be a T since TPE is your first one? Is that when you're bringing those to
1: TPE and launching those? So art of Magic's coming out in January and we're probably going to have either the box press Cameroon or the box press Subhatra TPE. Okay. That's the plan. Oh, right, right, right on. Hence there's nothing else that happens. That's the plan. Yes. <laughs> now we, yeah. we can't, you know, it's like, who knows? Yeah, yeah, you know, you, you,
0: nobody knows, and uh, and and everybody, and, and nobody still knows. I don't know, you know, how many uh, guys I've talked to that said the same thing as you that they don't know if they're doing PCA because it's so close. You know, I, obviously the the person that has the first event, you know, especially the the first event of the year, everybody's itching to get out. You know, PCE or uh, uh, TPE is, is going to be. I'm going to try to get to it because it's going to be off the chain. Right. You know, everybody is going to want to be at that event. Cabin fever that 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 that's what it
1: is and yeah then, man we want to go out man we want to fornicate we want to go out there we want people want to be out they don't want to be cooped up they want to go out yeah people can't wait you know what i mean which means probably the market's going to still head higher but people yep. want to be out there they want to go out they want to have fun they want to have a good time
0: yeah and then uh and then how many people are um, um are, are going to want to come back out two months later you know, right, after spending, you know, um, um, you got you got a you know a weekend trip to any one of these. You know, if you bring right. uh, you know, just two two people hotels. You know, I mean, with even if you don't have a booth, you know, like I said, I mean, you could be a five thousand dollar weekend with, with without thinking about it, and then have to turn around and do that again, you know, two months later. So it was easier when TPE was in what February, and then. You know, July, you know, these, these shop owners and even some of these manufacturers can make some of their money back. Right now. So, oh, you never know. So, all right. We, we definitely, you know, thank you for coming on, spending uh, 90 minutes of your time with us, man.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I enjoyed every minute. It was great to be here.
0: we, We definitely appreciate it. And, um, um, everybody, if you want to find Rockefeller cigars in the show notes down below website, Instagram, Facebook, um, and then, um, are are you in uh, any of the major like online guys? Yeah,
1: so um, we're at Atlantic Cigars. Okay. Also, Frontline carries our Dominican Blue.
0: Okay, yeah, I saw I saw Mo uh, over there or Steve. I'm not sure if he's still going by Mo, Steve, whoever I know. Right, there, right, Mo, right. Front Frontline, front so uh, so definitely FrontlineCigars.com.
1: Uh, but but, uh, but Atlantic has our whole line.
0: Okay, so they have your whole line. So if they can't get to your. You know, local brick and mortar. Right. They can get to the uh, the entire online from Atlantic. I will uh, I will make a uh, I will make a note of that with, with where my pen is at. So I'll try and come back in and everybody put
1: in at least the. Uh, um, for Atlantic. And we have some other online dealers too. Red Hills Tobacco is a small one in Kansas. Great guys. So over there. I mean, there's there's a bunch, but you know, uh, Frontline and uh, Atlantic are probably the ones that are doing the best right now.
0: Right on. And, and Bill, you're on camera. What do you got going on, Bill? What, 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 do you, what can we promote for you or what do you got going just,
1: on? Just real quick, I do want yeah. to say, though, that it is very, very also important to support brick-and-mortar still while this is going on. Yes. And our cigars are a lot of brick-and-mortar stores all throughout the country. You know what I mean? So I, I, it's definitely important to go into those places and go get those cigars. Yeah. Either, if you have the time and you can travel and there's no COVID restrictions in your area. And even if they have the uh, just the pickup where you
0: got to order ahead of time, you know, right. Definitely, you know, the curbside is, mm-hmm. is definitely the uh, the way to go. So yes, definitely, definitely check your local brick and mortar first. And right. if they don't have to ask ask uh, have them ask why, ask them why they don't carry uh, a Rockefeller cigar. So um, mm-hmm. definitely, de- definitely you know, get in there. We'll,
3: uh, you know, you know that Kevin will uh, show up too.
1: hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah.
3: Most important thing. He was just down in uh, D Pittman's in uh, the Royal Leaf in New Jersey oh, okay. this weekend. Uh, it was last weekend, and it was a fantastic shop. Uh, she's I'm, been- I'm, I'm, I'm
0: glad to see D has made it through COVID. You know, yeah. I mean, she she. She got kind of the raw end of the deal when, uh, when, when COVID happened, it's like, what the hell?
3: Yeah. But the community rallied around her uh, yeah. on the virtual right. herfs and everything else like that. And, um, great people. she, we, you know, we carried her through. She's the queen of cigars as we call her. Um, she's a veteran. She's a, a in the medical field of, uh, the, the army and, uh, she gave her time and she's a dynamic woman who understands tobacco and premium cigars. So she's, uh, we were down there for the grand opening this past weekend, and uh, every we, we did social distancing. We had thermometers. It was done right, and we're a week past with no uh, no issues, thank God. So, thank God. Bill, yeah. Bill thank your you microphone good. is too good. You sound like NPR.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, mean, I mean, the last the last event we did was over at Tallard Smoke in Concord, which was a great place too, in yeah. North Carolina. We ripped through Virginia. We're in Hogshead now in Virginia bunch of stores in Maryland. I mean, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun going out there meeting people. Every lounge has a magic of their own lounge. You know what I mean? And it's, it's just great. It's a culture. Cigar culture is an amazing thing.
3: And the most important thing right now is to um, uh, pay homage to where we're at right now and, yep. and, and how this was all came about. Um, both Kevin and I are, are one of a few uh, handful of civilian members of the largest law enforcement uh, smoking organization in the country. It's a 501c3. It's called Smoking Shields. You can find them at smokingshields.org. And essentially, um, we're in 10 states, uh, and uh, within those states there are certain uh, multi-chapters, like in New Jersey has a south chapter and a a northern chapter. Um, But this is an opportunity to... um, John Bellico is the uh, founding father and the president. It's a fantastic organization. Uh, again, at SmokingShields.org, um, if you back the blue uh, as we do, uh, cigars has been a great uh, uh, culture for them for release, for stress release, and camaraderie. We have a new uh, headquarters here in, uh, in in New York. Uh, it's a freestanding building with a, a full full lounge, cigar lounge. Uh, it has twenty four hour access for those uh, officers coming off the uh, off the line, and they can come here, stop by. Uh, they, they has a paid membership for uh, any law enforcement officer that wants to uh, utilize the services. And then uh, as associate members, we can come in with guests who have that access, like today. But we want to uh, thank uh, John Bellico and Smoking Shields. We also want to. Uh, to tell you that at SmokyShields.org, they have a uh, swag uh merchandise uh that you can help support uh your local uh law enforcement officers around the united states and it's a fast-growing uh group uh john does a great job and uh, we tip our hats to him for and allowing he, us to be here today yeah to, he was uh, to do this
1: yeah he was gracious enough to let us use it here today to set up the studio and we really do appreciate it yeah
3: so Smokey i consider Shields.org. him a friend yeah America, he's a great, so. guy. great family man he built this place. Uh, I mean, all of us had a piece in, in, in tearing it apart, doing the demo and then rebuilding it. But uh, you had um, very instrumental people like, um, you know, you know, Smokehouse Gorillas, which we're both members of. And uh, with Peter being our president, uh, he was here every single day. And his resources that he provided for smoking Shields was second to none. Um, so it's just been a, a passion to uh to help those who make that daily sacrifice for us to give back to them and then at the same time they're so open to civilian support. Uh so we we encourage you all to to stop by just have a look at uh, smokingshields.org and uh they have some great swag like we said to support them and they are a 51c3 so if you like to make donations you'll see uh, the donations uh, sector too. So it's good
0: stuff. Right, right on. And, and and Bill I'm going to tell you, if uh, you, you two together with, with you, you got good equipment you you both can talk you guys, I'm telling you, I said, Bill, you know, I said I, I can start a business doing anything. I, mm-hmm. I've given advice out to everybody in the industry and it and it always catches and always works out. You guys need to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the two of you, I'm, I'm very I'm, ironic. <laughs> I, I'm 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 telling you, just listening to both of you talk, and it's just like you know, like I'm not even paying attention to what's going on, and I'm gonna, you know, just soaking no, this Bill in. Sounds
2: like, Bill sounds like NPR though.
3: You yeah. know, but, but, that, we're, and we're neighbors. We're quite literally neighbors. We live in the same town, and, uh, it's, and we're both, uh, I own a commodities, oil and gas commodities company, and, uh, I do gold as well and some other commodities. So we have a tremendous amount of synergy.
0: So to, to definitely, you know, th- think about it. This is a good, you know, I, I, I know, you know, it doesn't have to be cigars. It could be, you guys both have a wealth of knowledge outside podcast.
3: Get on and happy there. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's fifth uh fourth day right today
0: yeah, yeah oh, it is yes good so uh all right guys we definitely want to thank you for coming on spending some of your time with us you guys are always welcome back if you everyone uh, needs a platform to promote something reach out we'll have you on we can have you on at uh diggins and i is always a spur of the moment so we can always do this we don't need a lot of lead time so
1: thank you guys i appreciate
0: it
3: thanks guys you're
0: welcome you guys have a good night